Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Freire, and I'm here to help you find, retain, and develop entrepreneurial leaders within your organization so that you can have a thriving business. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Podcast. I am your host, Ken Freire, and I am with Eric Williams today. He is the director of IT at the Williams Company. It's an energy company. Now, the reason why I have Eric here is because our topic today is about how do generalists thrive in a specialized world. And Eric has done a little bit of everything in his journey. When you start to hear some of the stuff he's done and how he got to where he's at today, you'll be fascinated. And you might be wondering like, oh my gosh, I'm the same way moniker or that 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 kind of brand really spoke to me it was something that that i've i've kind of thought about often but especially when i kind of listen to like you know what are the what are the kind of i wouldn't say qualifications but the thing that the things that make up an yeah. entrepreneur i think when we when you talked about the journalist idea and that concept of being a journalist was something that was that was kind of speaking to my heart and something that i got really excited about you know because to me you know that's that's always kind of been my style or my approach was I, I don't know if it's because I get bored or I, I, I move on and, and, and want to try new things and, and get kind of bogged down in, in the mundane or the regular, but that concept or idea of, of being good at a lot of stuff, but maybe not the expert on any one, one topic or concept was something that, that really got me yeah, excited. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, so as many of you know, right, the, the Entrepreneur Podcast, we're, we're helping people be entrepreneurs and Eric had mentioned you had mentioned that that the the blog post and the, and the podcast that I wrote about the character traits and one of those character traits was a generalist. Can you just maybe just uh, you know thirty seconds just kind of run through your journey of like here are all the the skills or special uh, jobs that I've had along the way so that people kind of get an idea of like okay when we're a generalist this is what I mean that I've gathered all these different not all this different knowledge. Yeah, so I I would generally start that conversation with my degree. Um, that, that kind of led me to the path of, of like really being a journalist was that my degree was in cartography. So I have an undergrad in map making, which is pretty unique. Uh, you probably don't meet a lot of folks that, that do cartography or have a degree in it. So, so that's kind of where, you know, my, 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 my journey or my career kind of started in that space, GIS or, or geographic information systems is kind of a newer technology, especially at the time, you know, when I graduated, um, from college. So it was, a, it was kind of a really kind of a, a unique place to start in an organization or a team, but, but really that role was kind of the first role I had that was very much a support team. And it was a role that touched a, a large portion of our organization. And it was, a, it was an energy company as well. And I really kind of fell in love with that concept or idea of getting to play in everybody's sandbox a little bit, right? Being in a role or a team that gets to, to kind of touch on a lot of different parts of the business. So from there, I, I spent some time there. I went on and did some pipeline safety work, which is in our, in our industry, our businesses, it's kind of a regulatory piece of what we do and got to do a lot of engagement outside of the company and, and doing some public outreach and, and, and engagement there. So got to build a little bit of that networking capability and the ability to kind of work across functions from there went into kind of a systems process role, supporting a greater kind of EHS or environment health and safety. So there I got to really learn a lot about 
how to manage regulations across different functions, how to build processes that are, that are scalable and, and systems that can interact with working through the process by not being too cumbersome to slow the work down. Then got to spend and go do some time and, and, and spend some time in like a knowledge services type role and got to do work on, you know, how do you do content management and user interface design thinking, which was really cool. Then went and did, uh, some work in the learning and development space, got to build learning and development programs for leaders, performance management systems, learned a lot about organizational behavior and, you know, how do organizations behave at the macro level? How do groups behave? Then got to do from that kind of grew into a, an HR, kind of a more traditional HR role and do things like payroll, HR systems, recruiting, talent acquisition, college relations, got to do some, some more fun stuff there. And then this latest move was, was really kind of into the, the IT realm. So kind of jumping full more into a, more of a technology focused role. And, and what I love about that, or, or kind of that, that last move is this role I'm finding is the one that was probably most unlike any of the others, but it's the first one where I've really got to say, gosh, all those, those steps along the journey, I picked up bits and pieces and skills and parts of a network that I've been able to kind of bring to bear and, and use in this role. So that, that gentlest concept of be able to connect dots and tie together disparate ideas that maybe don't make sense in a vacuum or by themselves and kind of put them together into a role. This is kind of that role for nice. me. It's like, I'm getting to use all the old muscle memory I have in, in, a, in a role. And that's, that's what excited That'd be me. great, man. Hopefully in the IT world, you could figure out how to use your degree in cartography. That'd be awesome. That's, that's right. Yeah. I, and, and I joke often, maybe I could draw a map, you know, draw a map of how I got here and, and maybe hand it to something else. But we'll, we'll see That's awesome, happens. man. That's exciting. Well, like we mentioned today, we're going to talk about a, a generalist thriving in a specialized world. As we know, right, like special, like having an expertise, be a thought leader, a niche seems to be the thing, right? Like everybody wants to be an expert, but but there's actually a lot of generalists, a lot of people who, who have done a lot of different things, have a lot of different skill sets that can thrive. But before we jump into that, what do you see are some challenges that generalists yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest one that comes to mind initially, and I know we talked a bit about this in our, in our first, our first chat, but it's, it's just not be able to really identify yourself, yeah. like not really be able to know what to call what you are. I think it's hard because, you know, we're in a, I think, a, you know, culturally we like to label things, yeah. right? Like we like to give things names or say, this is what that is. And you kind of think about it. It's like, well, I'm not. I'm not, you know, a lawyer, I'm not an astronaut, I'm not a firefighter. Like I don't have a title that you can kind of throw out. People go, oh, I know what he yeah. does. It's, it's, it's hard. You know, my, my wife and kids joke around a lot uh, with me. Like when people ask what, what, what does your dad do? What does your husband do? It's like, he works for an oil and gas company. And it, I can't really tell you a whole lot beyond that, but he works with a lot of different people. So, so I think that is, I think that's a big one. And I think that leads to probably what would be my second point on, on kind of that, the, the, the things that are struggles or that are hard is if you don't know what to call yourself, then others don't know how to treat you or, or, or what, what you would be good at right? or what you could do. So it's, it's being able to communicate. What is it that you bring? Like, what do you bring to the team? What is it that you can go do or, or bring that's different to an organization or a group? 
it, it's almost like you have to experience it to see it. And that, that just becomes really difficult and it's really hard. So it takes someone, I think that this is, you know, a space you go down in your career takes a pretty healthy level of, of self assuredness, self-awareness to really understand and see value in yourself when others may not always see what it is that you do or who you are. If, yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, man, that's, that's really good. I, you know, I, I remember that conversation that we had, cause you and I are both generalists We're we're kind of like, we've gathered so many things and we were talking about like, we we feel like we're jack of all trades, right? But we have all of our friends who are special specialist friends and we have similar friends, uh, acquaintances that were like, oh man, they're really good at this, but we're not. So it, it becomes difficult, right? To, to find that identity. But the, like you said, the more we can uh, find a label and, and not, not all labels are bad, right? Sometimes they're really good. And in this case, it's really good. We're able to then communicate what we bring to the, to the team, what we bring to the table. So that being said, how can a generalist thrive in a specialized world? What can they start doing to, to start thriving? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know you, you asked me that question. You even teed me up for this one. And <laughs> I've, I've typed and erased about three or four different thoughts or answers on that. Because I think, I think it's just really hard to say there's, there's some sort of like magic, magic button or, or like a, like this is how it always works. Right. But I think what you have to really recognize is seeing the value, right? The value in the generalist being someone you want at the table. Right. So I, I was trying to think like, what's an analogy here? Like what's, how would I tie this together into something that makes sense? And you know, I'm a big fan of sports analogies or, you know, everyday life analogies. And so like from a sports perspective, it's kind of that, that utility player that can play like your basketball fan, it can play all five positions. Right. So if someone goes down, they're the one you can plug in really anywhere on the team and they may not be as great as that one person, but they're going to be a, a whole lot better on any option. Right. So, so when you think about, when you think about how to be successful as a generalist, I think the first thing you have to recognize is there's always going to be someone better than you. And like, that's, that's kind of cliche. Like we should always think that like, we're no, there's very few people in the world who can say I'm the, the absolute best at anything on the planet. But I mean, you have to get really okay that you're probably not even in the top, you know, 20% of, of best options in any one situation. Yeah. And, and just get very comfortable knowing yeah. that. Like I, I, I experience that daily, right? Like I, I just left a role. With, our, with a human resources team, I'm now in our own information technology team. I assure you, in either room, I knew far less than anyone else around me about the topic that we might have been talking about, right? Or the concept or the idea. But I have to recognize that my strength and what I bring is that I know enough about that to compare it to the other 50 things that I might know or the other, the other connectors that I can tie in. And at the end of the day, a problem is a problem, a process is a process. And there's probably something in my tool belt that I've seen in the past from a new perspective that I can bring to bear on whatever it is we're trying to challenge. So that would probably be my greatest yeah. advice on, you know, or the, you know, how is it that you can kind of thrive and it's just being really okay that there's always going to be someone else in the room that knows more than you, but that about any one topic, but what you bring is the breadth of understanding hundred other topics beside it that you can that you can kind of bring in and, and apply yeah. to that if, if that if that is, is kind of answering your question no eric that that's really good especially when you give that analogy of the utility player because you know another analogy i think about is like the swiss army knife or or i don't know remember if you remember this show 
I think it was called MacGyver, right? Like it's an old school show, right? Yeah. He's just coming up yeah. with stuff and he was just trying to figure out how to solve problems with the most random, tool, random stuff around him. And he was just like, yeah, that's what generalists do, right? Like we just come out of thin air and you're like, oh, it's because I did this back then, 10 years ago. I know how to make this work. Um, yeah. Give me, give me, give me the duct tape and, and a, a pair of tweezers and I'm, I'm going to figure it out. It, you know, it, it's something, you know, and maybe a really good comparable here is like, you know, you go to the doctor, like your general family practice yeah. doctor is probably your generalist, yeah. right? Has seen a little bit of everything, can diagnose, help in a number of areas. However, if you're going to have like, say, open heart surgery, you're probably going to want a cardiology uh, surgeon to go yeah. do that work, right? But if, if that person's not available, I would rather have my, you know, family practice doctor give it a shot than, you know, my neighbor who I play golf with on the weekends is probably not my first choice. So. That journalist might not be the absolute expert to go do the work, but they're going to be a lot better than, you know, 80% of your other options. To yeah, around. absolutely, man. I, I totally get what you're saying. And th I think that's the beauty of, of how generalists can thrive is that sometimes what ends up happening is that a, a specialist, it, from, from my perspective at least, is so niche on one side of things, they don't know how to connect all the other dots. And you've mentioned that several times where, where generalists know how to connect the dots. They know how to bring everything together. And this happens in organizations all the time where specialists build something, but they don't build the process to connect every other department. And now you just got people frustrated with each other all day, every day, right? And you got like 15 different systems for something that could have been done if a generalist might've been at the table working it uh, or leading it. Would you say that's true? Yeah, for sure. It, it, and, and honestly, it's just the value of having someone who doesn't know any better <laughs> to ask the right question, right? They're, Generally, you can see more blind spots, I think is, is the way I'd Yeah, think. no, that's really good. Which actually leads us to, to, to the next question is, as we look at essential character traits, right? We're talking about generalists, right? We, I, the way I've couched it is that a generalist is part of an entrepreneur's DNA, right? That this is one of the character traits. But, you know, you and I were going back and forth and, and I asked you this question, like, what do you think is the most essential character trait necessary for an entrepreneur? And you had one that you were like, actually, I think you're missing this part. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, you know, when I was reading your list, uh, it listened to the, you know, the, the, the episode on the character traits, you got to humility and, and that one really struck me as like, man, I'm, I'm actually not a humble person. I'm my own biggest fan. I love my own ideas deep down inside. Like, I, I think I'm, I think I'm awesome. Like I'm, I'm the best option for anything. <laughs> and. And that's something I, I have to combat like every day. That's something I have to think about. Like, don't come across as arrogant. What can I do to not sound like I'm my own biggest fan? Because I am. And so it's something I really have to keep top of mind. So I started thinking about that, that, you know, kind of listening to your explanation of, of, of kind of how you landed on that topic. To me, it was less about humility and it was more about self-awareness and the ability to build trust, right? Like. It's not necessarily that you can't, you have to be like a salt of the earth, you know, most humble person ever to do this. In fact, sometimes it takes a little bit of, takes a little bit of edge and a little bit of, you know, like I think I've heard someone describe entrepreneurs as like, you know, borderline, you know, probably need to talk to a, a specialist because of the amount of risk they're willing to take and the amount of drive and just the only future they see is the future that they've designed in yeah. their head. There's no other option except that's the way we're going to go do this. And, you know, to your point, like an entrepreneur probably has like a 70% of that, but there still is yeah. that, like you have to have that level of confidence and self-assuredness to say, 
this is absolutely where we need to get to. And there's no other way to get there except the way I'm thinking about it. So to me, it's, it's been maybe less about the humility. It's more about, do you have the self-awareness to manage that really well? And then do you have the ability to be self-deprecating or to recognize your gaps and to own them and to own them very openly? Because what that leads to is that psychological safety and that trust. Because as a generalist, you're not just building in your space. Generally, you think about a specialist and, hey, this is your lane. You're the expert in the company in your lane. Go be awesome. Go, go do what we need you to do. Like, you're the absolute best salesperson I've ever had. Go sell. You're the best operations person ever, the best, you know, whatever. Go, go just do what you do. A journalist, you have to be willing to knock down fences and walls across multiple organizations and be willing to challenge and question and bring folks together who maybe wouldn't be together. And so that takes a healthy dose of trust building because no one's going to let you into those many lanes and play in that many sandboxes unless you've taken the time to build that trust. So for me, I, I would tell you, it's not so much the humility. I think it's more about, can you go build trust and, and create that relationship that someone is going to see you as someone who they can trust and yeah. work with. And, and, and Eric, I love how you actually put those two together, self-awareness and building trust, right? We're like, you need to be self-aware enough with you about yourself, because if you can't be self-aware about yourself, there's no way you're going to be aware of how other people are, are acting, right? It, it takes a high emotional quotient to be able to be self-aware, right? A hundred percent. You know, a big part of trust is, is marketing, yeah. right? Like it's, how do you rate yourself and how do you show up? So if you, if you think of it in those terms, like a business can't go to market unless they really understand themselves first, like you have to understand your product and your value proposition. So for me, self-awareness is from a brand research perspective, you're developing your own personal brand image. So to do that, you need to know what you bring or don't bring it, who you are, and most importantly, who you mm -hmm. aren't. That's really good, man. So so that being said, what are some baby steps, right? For some people who are listening to this and they're like, I actually lack self-awareness. I don't know how to be self-aware. What are some good, and I know I'm kind of throwing a curve by you here, but what are some good tips on like, here's things that have helped me to learn how to be self-aware? Yeah, I would tell you, I think early in my career, especially if I think even back to like high school, college, like way back, some of those lessons I learned the hard way. Like I found out I was arrogant the mm -hmm. hard way, right? Like losing friends, making people mad. Um, you know, you kind of some, some wounds and some, some battle scars there. I would say if anyone's listening to this and thinking about, you know, entrepreneurship or that, that concept of being a journalist, a really great way to figure out what you're good or not good at, go try new stuff, yeah. right? Like you're listening to this, so you're probably naturally intrigued or, or kind of drawn to the concept or idea of being a journalist. So put yourself in a lot of different situations with a lot of different leaders, a lot of different teams, a lot of different problems, and you're going to start naturally kind of learning where's my passion, where's my gaps, where are the things I am good at, where are the things I'm not, and start writing them down. Like I'm a big fan of, of things that get written down or things that get kind of targeted. If you, if you put them in front of yourself and you kind of go back to them, you're going to start to learn and remember those things, right? You're going to start using, I had one of, one, of the, one of my favorite people I've ever worked with, she came in my office once and wrote in, in really big letters, wait. I was like, what in the world? I was like on a call. And she was like, walked in my red dryer's where wrote, wait. She walked back out. Like, I didn't say a word. I was like, that was really weird. So I like, I turned off the call, whatever, and I talked to her. I was like, what, what does that mean? She said, it means, why am I talking? Like, I want you to keep that on your board for a while. Like, well, that, why don't, 
why, why do I need to remember that shit? I just listened to you on a call for 30 minutes and I don't think anybody else had anything else to say because you just talked the whole time. So like for you, that's a chance to like write that down or remember it. You don't, you don't have to fill the room with space or the, the, the room with words, right? You can slow down and listen, let the room breathe, let others think, because when you fall in love with your own ideas and you're just spouting the things that you think and not giving the room to kind of digest, understand and respond. People are just going to quit offering you their ideas because they know that you've already made up your mind. You've already got your idea in your head and, and there's not going to be a whole lot of, of value in me trying to cut in. So, you know, things like writing that on my board, you know, I've, I've written, uh, hippo is a great term. Well, I, um, highest paid person's opinion, <laughs> right? So don't, don't get, go, don't get caught in the trap that the biggest title in the room should be the one making all the decisions or, or having all the ideas. I had a, I had a quote on my board for a while that I wrote that was you get a chicken by waiting for the egg to hatch, not hitting the egg with a hammer because <laughs> I'm also pretty impatient. So it's almost like those kind of visual cues, that visual management, just putting things around you, writing it down. When you find something that you struggle with, don't hide from it. Don't be afraid of it, right? Like call it out, tell others, tell people on your team, like, Hey, I'm, I'm not good at these things. So when I'm doing them, you have to tell me because I won't see it otherwise. And I think, I think that ability to own it and to put it out there, one, it goes back to our first point that you build trust yeah. that way. If someone knows right up front that I can tell them where I'm not good, that kind of lowers, that lowers their bar a little bit in terms of like, they're willing to let me in or, or trust me a little bit more because I'm willing to be honest with myself, which probably means I'm going to be honest with them as yeah. well. Man, that's really good. And and even as I think about that, when, when you... When you said like, yeah, I'm not good at this. I need your help. Even if, because generalists tend to be pretty good at a lot of things, right? It was just pretty good. It's like, hey, I'm average at this, but I know you can do it better, right? And like almost empowering yeah. those people, that builds trust as well. Of just like, hey, I, I know I can do it, but you can do it 10 times better than I can. Please go do it. Yeah, no, for sure. There was a, one, of the, one of the greatest leaders I've, I've ever worked for used to say, defer to expertise, mm. right? Don't be afraid to offer deference to someone that knows more than you and let them go make the call or go make the decision. And, and I think that that shows a ton of trust. And I think it shows that that's your job as a journalist is you're kind of the linchpin and the attendant, you're not the yeah. muscle, right? Like you're here to connect the dots and to, to put the folks who are most capable of performing in the right situations. Yeah. Eric, man, that was really good. With, with all that being said, man, someone who, who's probably listening to this, they're like, I'm a generalist. And finally, there's some uh, vernacular and they, they ring true, right? They, they resonate with you on all the things about self-awareness and how to grow in that. If they wanted to reach out to you and just be like, Hey man, I, I want to learn a little bit more from you. What's the best way they can do that? Yeah. Uh, big fan of just connecting on LinkedIn. I think that's the, that's an ideal networking platform and a, a place to connect and share ideas. And that's a great, a great place to, to see content, talk and it's a conversation I like to have because, you know, it's, 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 uh, being in that space and being someone who feels like that entrepreneurship spirit or that, that journalist idea that you represent that it's fun to find other people that, that are passionate about it or feel that they're kind of in the same situation. So love to have a conversation or, or, or talk to anyone who has, has a passion in this space and, and hopefully learn a little something as well, because I'd, I'd rather learn stuff the easy way that what I mentioned earlier and having to learn it the harder way. Mm. So advice, but it's some mentoring relationships are always. That's valuable. awesome. And yeah, I know. I feel like as we get older, we started to, we start to figure out, oh, let's learn things the easy way, not the hard way. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, there's got to be an easier way to do this than to run my head into Exactly, exactly. Well, Eric, man, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been great information. And for those of you, again, who want to reach out to him, reach out to Eric Williams, E-R-I-C Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S on LinkedIn. And he's a great, fantastic resource for you guys. Thank you for joining me on this episode. If you like this podcast, leave a five-star review and share this episode with someone who will benefit from it. Until next time.